12, 1 through 3, page 852 in the Red Pew Bible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Well, with Evelyn here, I got thinking about how to live life. And uh, having had several chats with her over the years, uh, she is a woman who knows how to do that. Frankly, she's a woman who knows how to keep the pedal to the metal. Uh, now, I don't know whether she was a fast driver or not when she was driving. I don't know that. But she was always doing something and doing it effectively and busy and, uh, and living life to its fullest each and every opportunity. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about keeping the pedal to the metal. Uh, not getting into a slump. Uh, cranking this thing up a bit. And getting all we can out of every day we have. And each 24 is a gift of God to be, well, to be relished and tasted and experienced and to live to its fullest. And when we rest, to rest in peace. And when we're active and alive, it's, it's dynamic. There's, there's people to watch and there's food to eat and there's things to read and there's fellowship among one another every day. So I kind of want to talk about that. I, I, I have had the privilege of going to two driving schools. Uh, when I was a policeman, uh, I got to do this. The LA County Sheriff's Department puts that on for most agencies, and including ours. And uh, there's some uh, interesting, we, uh, when you go uh, into a driving school for three days, the first day and a half is in the classroom. And that's real discouraging. Because all they talk about it are physics and suspension and, uh, and uh, angles and degree of turn and weight distribution and braking and all that stuff. They talk about that. So you're sitting there taking notes, and it's just boring as it can be. Then finally, they take you out to the car. Now, you guys, you know... you. We all think we're pretty good, and maybe some of you ladies think you're pretty good, too, and you might be. I have to reflect that one of the first times I ever rode with Lindy in a car, it was a Corvette with a turbo on it, and she took me for a ride up in the Mulholland Hills or someplace, and uh, I, pardon? It was during the day, and... She went very fast, and I was very quiet. I just wasn't sure that, that girls can drive that way. We got back. But we, guys, we think we're pretty good at that stuff. And, and we all do, and, you know, we kind of, you know, we've raced down the street, and maybe we've gotten a ticket or two, and we thought we built up our car better than the other, and, 
you know, you know how it is, right, guys? Is that right? I mean, it's kind of a thing for us. Well, they taught us so many things that were wrong about our driving habits. They taught us that, frankly, if you break into a turn, you can lose control. For the car will go wherever it's headed if you apply the brakes. So if you're going around a, a curve and you apply the brakes about halfway through and you're going 55 miles an hour is the way we had to do it there, literally the car would go straight ahead even though you turned the wheel. Because what happens is uh, the wheels lock and the rubber on the tires starts to burn on the asphalt and it becomes little beads. And that car will go just in a direct line of where it was headed. So they teach you to, to do uh, uh, 45 degree turns at 55 miles an hour with the gas pedal on, pushing it right through the curve, putting the pedal to the metal. You have more control doing that than you do with brakes. Now that was interesting. And folks, that's kind of true here in this passage of scripture and in our day today. You know, if we start putting on the brakes, uh, all that will happen is our life will just wander on down, just like the car. But if we put our foot to the floorboard and we give it what we've got, that car will go where we where we direct it. And it'll it'll fulfill our our interests and our values. It, it will go. You can take that corner at that pace even faster. And you can survive that. And it's very comfortable when you know how to do it. So in, our, in church history and in our lives in a contemporary society we're in, we don't have the luxury of uh, waiting for another decade or two to be effective somewhere. We just don't. That time has passed. We're in a time where everything is instant, everything is happening, and it's a new territory that we are discovering. Our mission statement is still timeless. It still works for us. We are a Christian community called to worship God. We worship God this morning. We're still doing it. We worship God in celebration. We're, I'm going to worship God in having some cake with Evelyn's name on it. I don't know if I'll get the E or what part I'll get, but I'm going to worship God in, in my meal today. But it says we're, we're a Christian community called to worship God. And then, and then we said, here's how we worship God. Here's some ways we worship God. By impacting others. Making a difference. Deciding that we're just not going to allow certain things to happen in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We're going to make a difference. We're going to be salt and light. There's going to be a challenge. There'll be, there'll be, we're going to be a voice for God's righteousness and goodness and for the things that really matter. So we're going to impact our neighborhood. And our neighborhood today, of course, is the world, isn't it? It is. It's flat. We have instant communication with anybody anywhere on the globe. And we said, well, we've got to meet physical needs, which uh, are very, very important. You know, a person's not going to listen to you talk about Jesus if they're hungry. So feed them. Just give them the food. 
And if that comes up, that's a great conversation. Uh, physical, educational, and spiritual needs. And what do, we, what do we want all this to do? Result in a devoted follower of Christ. Devoted followers of Christ. That's what we want the outcome to be. That's what our prayer is. So as we think about this stuff, that's kind of what we want to do and what I wanted to do with this passage uh, in, in, in reflecting upon a, a century of, of living, but also some living left to do. So Evelyn, put the pedal to the metal. Keep it going. Don't you stop. You never have, and you will one day, but at that point, just stop. May you be in momentum when you stop. And that would be the, that would be the way to go, as any of us know. Many times we think, well, there's some things that we can't do because we're getting older. And that question was asked. Uh, that was a good question, Pastor Earl. Uh, and there's some things that I thought about I would not do. Uh, I, I'm not riding any more quads. Uh, I did. I broke a couple ribs. I've crashed. I, it was very fun. It's very fun to crash and hurt and to get up and go, I did it. Uh, so I did. But I, I don't want to do that. And uh, skydiving never did uh, excite me much. Uh, it seems a little silly to me to jump out of an airplane hoping that somebody did something right with a parachute. Uh, I'm not quite ready for that. So uh, that's, that's a bucket. That, it's not my bucket. There's many things in my bucket, but that's not one of them. For our church, there's something in, in our church's bucket that came about. Uh, Malcolm gave me something. Uh, which he emailed to me, and we're going to have some more conversation about it. But it's a method of praying for our world, our, local, our neighborhood and our world, a very simple method. And I know for me, I can do this, what, he, what he's telling me about, we're going to do that here one of these Sundays soon. So I, I told him we're going to, this is a good one. But vision is not cautionary, risk-free. Folks, this is not an insurance policy. Sometimes it just costs. It costs a great deal to flesh it out. There's three things you can do with it. A vision for a church, a vision for your life, a vision for your family. Do it yourself. Okay. Hire someone to do it. You can do that. Or maybe the third and the wisest is, if you have a vision for your kids... Just forbid them to do it. I, you, I forbid you to clean your room. You'll be punished if you do. I forbid you to take the trash out. So there are different ways to accomplish things. But as we think about this, we want to think about the highs and the lows in our life and that pedal to the metal. Sometimes we get down in that valley, and that pedal is just kind of easing off. Even not, even not uh, cruise control isn't working. And we're going a little slow, and it's dragging us down. And that's a, just a great time to go, go for it. Go for it. Put that foot on that gas pedal and let it fly. I don't have time to tell you how many stories I have and experiences of high-speed pursuits. But one of the things that's true about a high 
speed pursuit is everybody has their foot on the pedal all the way down. Um, and that's, that's just true across the board. And it's one of the most, it's, it's, it's absolutely fun. It, it's dangerous, it's crazy, and people die as Ryan did and others. But I'll tell you, it is fun. Well, life doesn't have to be lived. It's not an adrenaline fun that we're talking about here in this passage. It's a, it's a walk with God that is relevant to every day of our lives that every day that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, these that have gone on before us, and they're going, go for it, go for it, go for it, encouraging us. And those camp experiences or those revival experiences that we've had, uh, we need to remember those, but we need to recognize that most of it is just hard work. But go for it. Don't be caught, you know, over in the, over on the rest uh, side ramp on the freeway, snoring away when life is going on. We need to get on with it. It's some great stuff going on. There's this guy. <clears throat> he had a he had a mule. I, I I mules are funny, you know. They're kind of strange animals. And uh, this this mule was sick. Too much of the doc. He said, Doc, my, my mule is sick. I can't get him to work, uh, and I need you to do something. Doc says, all right, give him this white pill. If you give that mule this white pill, that mule will come alive and will be dynamic. Magic pill. And then the guy says, well, Doc, what happens if it doesn't work? Well, the likelihood of that happening is, is, isn't great, but just, just because it might not be that, that it works, Give him the red pill, and that'll do it. He says, okay. So he gives the white pill to the mule, and the mule jumps off the floor, takes off, knocks over the barn door, jumps over the fence, taken off through the field. And he said, Doc, when he met with him later, he said, Doc, if I hadn't had the presence of mind to take that little red pill myself, I never would have caught him. <laughs> I am not going to get left behind in this life. I don't want to be left behind. I want to be on the bus. I want to be in the main flow of things. I want to be in the mainstream. I want to know about you. I want to know about your life. I want to know about our neighborhood. I want to know about the, the issues that confront us as people of God. The scripture uses <coughs> excuse me, this athletic imagery. And so as you look at that 12th chapter, and remember, it says therefore. Now, what does that mean? Therefore. Okay, students. I taught this last weekend, so I, I'm, in a, I'm in a teacher mode. What does therefore mean? mean? It means therefore, doesn't it? This is one of the easy answers. And you have to go back and say, well, what is there for? Why is it there for? For what is it there for? And you go back into the 11th chapter, and you go, oh, that's the chapter about the Hall of Faith. All the people that had faith, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Abraham 
when called to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went by faith. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, Rahab uh, became a spy to, to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. By faith. And through that entire chapter, it talks about the faith action of people, and most of it didn't matter too much at the time that they were alive. Most of it was understood later as the, as the history unfolds. They did small things, and yet today we put them in hallowed halls, and we read these things about them, and we say, wow, they were wandering around, and it was a, it was a prostitute that guided them through taking the promised land. And that's just so confusing to me because, you know, she wasn't a Wesleyan. Oh, well. It is fascinating to read the therefore. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those that have gone on before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I, I don't know, when you, I trained, um, when I was in high school, I, was a, I ran track, and they would put uh, weights on our ankles, uh, and, and you'd, you'd, work, you'd train with weights on your ankles. And I suppose they did that back in the day that this was uh, written. And you'd run with this weight on you, and uh, it was hard. But, oh, man, once you got those weights off, you could fly. I mean, it was just like, you, you didn't touch the ground. You just soared. And, and that's the idea here, that, that let us throw off the weight of things that hinder us from what God has for our lives. So the first fill-in comes. We can be encouraged by the saints that went before us. Because, you know what, they're not silent. All those folks that we call dead folks... They're not silent. They're there in the cloud of witnesses. This is one of the most intriguing passages of Scripture in all of the Bible because it allows us to have a window into heaven and just a peek from heaven into earth, onto earth. And somehow there's a, there's a glimpse of all of those that have gone on before us in this huge, huge arena. And they're saying, Go, Gordon, go! Go! Don't stop! Pedal to the metal! There's more to do! Touch some more people! Go to another hospital so you can witness again. Do that too often. It's, it's, it's this dynamic of applauding and cheering, just like we're going to do this afternoon for our, for our women's soccer team as they wipe out. Is it France that they're playing? Japan. Oh, they'll wipe them out. Cheering. And when you're having a tough time, I want to tell you something. There's some people by the thousands going, go, Paul, go, go, keep going. Don't give up. Right, Evelyn? Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. Right, Lynn? Don't give up. Another surgery is another surgery. But don't give up. They just keep coming. 
we're still taking food. We woke up this morning. That's pretty good. You all look pretty good today. Much better than last week. We're, you're doing better. So in thinking about this, there's this, this dynamic of imagery that the, the roll call of the saints reminds us that we are to be take advantage of that. Cash it in. They are encouraging you, take the things that hinder you off, that entangle you, and let us run with perseverance. This is some things that Pastor Dave talked about last week, kind of living on the shoulders of those in the past. And that's exactly what this passage is about. And as we think about these characters in the passage of the 11th chapter, then we realize, hmm, it's a short list. I wonder, wonder if my grandpa is on the new list. Hmm, I think so. I wonder if my dad and mom, I wonder if they're on the, the, the new list, the really big one. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're there. I, I do. I believe they're there. Wow, that's a big list. So, I mean, the new Bible that they're writing up now upstairs, you know, up in heaven, recording all the saints, it's one big Bible because everybody's in it that accepted Jesus, come to Christ. So the second fill-in is uh, struggling with disobedience makes us stronger, or difficulties, I think it said, Struggling with difficulties makes us stronger. Is that true? It, it defeats us or, or it equips us, doesn't it? And you, is there anybody here that doesn't have any difficulties? I just, I really like to have a few moments with you because I think I could create a difficulty for you. <laughs> I mean, everybody has a difficulty. And, and, and those things are are incredibly helpful to strengthen us. So let us be reminded of those difficult times as really becoming blessings. He's talking here about running, about keeping your eyes fixed. He goes on. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. When I ran track, they told me, you put your eye right on the finish line. That's the only thing that matters. Don't pay any attention to anybody beside you, in front of you or behind you. You look at that finish line, that's the only thing that matters. You focus on that and then you run. You run like the wind to get to that mark. And so you keep your eye focused. You don't uh, let it go. It's men. And that's hard to keep our eyes focused, isn't it? I mean, we're all over the page. I have, I have, uh, I don't know how many channels we have. We have, we have the basic fiber optics system. So I don't have any movie channels. I don't have any extra sports, uh, sports stuff. And I suppose we have 500 channels. It's really hard to keep your eye on them all. It's very difficult. Man, life is just so many things going on. But the writer here may not have been Paul. You know, there's more and more evidence that seems to indicate it might be Priscilla. 
as written uh, in, the, in, the, in the early church. Uh, keep your eye focused on the goal, on Jesus. If you keep your eye focused on Jesus, you know most of the decisions you make are clear. You don't have to go through a whole lot of levels of thinking about it. If your eye's on Jesus, the decision is pretty clear. Now, there are some that you're not sure about, but most are pretty clear. Talking to young people about getting married, and I ask them if they're in love. They say they are. They all say they are. And, of course, they are. But then we talk about keeping their eye on their family and upon the commitment they're making when they don't feel so lovey and when things get difficult. But you've got to keep your eye on it. Don't give it up. You promise something. Stay together. It'll work out. So that's that. And then I think the third thing is uh, we have a choice. And, in, 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 and the writer has given us that option that we can choose to do this. Let us do these things. These are action parts on our part. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Uh, and let us run uh, the race. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus and the perfecter of our faith. Uh, it, it's, the, it's the concept of choice. I choose to follow Jesus. That is my choice. And because of that, I focus and fix my eyes on him. And what does that mean? I'm not sure. Opportunities open up every day. And I could not tell you what my week will be this week. I can tell you what last week was, but I can't tell you what this week will be. But I know this, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. And he's the finisher of our faith. And that's a choice. But sometimes, I don't know, Sometimes we get stuck, you know what I mean? This guy's sitting on a tack, sitting on a chair, and he's sitting on a tack. Says something about him, doesn't it? So he's sitting there saying, ouch. Pastor comes by. He said, you know, son, if you would pray more and read the scriptures, it wouldn't hurt so much. Hmm. Okay, the Freudian psychologist comes by. He says, you were potty trained too early, and you have emotional trauma, and that causes you to hurt so much. Then a little kid comes by, and he says, why don't you get off the tack? And that's what the writer is saying here. Get on with it. Get off the tack. You and I could have a list of reasons for not following Jesus, for not being active in his service, for not sharing with others, for not giving um, to his causes, I, and say, well, I'm busy this, busy that. I mean, we could all make a list. Wouldn't that be an exciting afternoon to read each other's list? Oh, boy. All of us would have a list. Throw it away. Get off the tack. Let's do it. Make some choices. Make some decisions. Be a dad. Be a mom. Be an uncle. Be an aunt. Be a single adult. Be a young person. Be a grandma or a grandpa. Get off the tack. You can drive this thing, but you've got to put, you put your, 
the pedal to the metal. You've got to gas this thing or you're going to crash. Then life becomes nothing and meaningless. <coughs> Excuse me. The fourth feeling is we can draw encouragement. Oh, I'm sorry. Nothing we face is unfamiliar to Jesus. In Hebrews, that 12th chapter, uh, the fourth chapter of Hebrews, it says this. This is really good. Hebrews chapter 4. I don't hear so much of this. This is the rattle of bringing your Bible. We probably ought to work. Do you think we ought to work on that a little bit? Maybe I'll give you a candy bar if you bring your Bible. Lindy, do you have yours? Whoa. It's going to be a long afternoon. Hey, pedal to the metal. Yep, I'll be going to McDonald's by myself. Well, in the fourth chapter, in the 15th and 16th verse, and the reason I want you to bring your Bibles is this. Uh, several reasons, but one is sometimes when we're reading a passage like here in service, it really sticks out to you, and it's really okay to write in your Bible. You did not offend God. And nothing happens, nothing burns, and nothing crashes. It's okay. And here's what he says in verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. He has been there before us. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Wow. So, nothing is unfamiliar to God. Well, Okay, what's it say? I said it correctly? Okay. I don't, I guess it, doesn't sh- it doesn't show me back there. We haven't got that part yet, but we'll get that. And then finally, God has begun a work in every one of us. Each and every one of us has begun a work. What kind of a work do you want him to do in your life? When you think of the things that are on that list, of challenges that have come to you, the job situation, the health situation, the loss, uh, whatever it is. He wants to do something with that list. He wants to take that and sanctify that somehow and make you a dynamo for him in utilizing all of those difficulties and challenges for his grace and his glory and for the community of faith called the church. Yes, he does want to perfect us through our challenges. So, this passage means a lot to me. It's real living. It's really truthful stuff. Three things. Jesus is at the right hand of God now. 
That means he walked here, he went there, and he's up there interceding for us. So the one who walked among people is up there going, I, I don't know, I, you know, I visualize things. A bunch of prayers coming up. Uh, Father, this is a big one. Let's, let's take care of it. Now, you know, I, I have no idea. And theologically, that's silly. But I have to put things in rather common ways for me to understand them. And I just see at the right hand of God, and you see that intimacy, and I see, I see Jesus hearing all of our needs and concerns. God is well, certainly. And the Holy Spirit bringing that to them. And, and then I can see Jesus kind of going, ooh, I think I'm going to go ahead and we ought to pull all our resources in on that one and do it. So I see that. The second thing is, I see that Jesus is really uh, a big brother to us. That there's nothing you can't say to him. There's nothing you can't say to Jesus. And thirdly, remember the reason that you're talking to him is you're talking to the king. And the king has power. And our king has power over the universe. So whatever it is, wow. Put your pedal to the metal. Let's drive this thing. Don't give up and don't lay down. We don't have time to do that. Right, Evelyn? Let's pray. Father, for our time together, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you for the celebrations, for the answered prayer, and for the additional prayer requests that we've heard even this morning. I pray for every person here and ask, Lord, that you would touch us in a real particular way. If we've wandered from your presence, may we quickly put that pedal to the metal and come right back in on the track that you have designed for our lives. And we praise you for that. May we continue to grow to become devoted followers of Christ. Amen. That song Lindy was playing was, I have decided to follow Jesus. How many people here have heard that song before? How many of you sang that at a camp experience or something when you made that decision? Uh, aren't those sweet memories just that?